0: <laughs> should we redo
1: it okay, yeah well, hit us oh, off yes, so go ahead all right guys uh, we're good in three two one okay we're here with shane cashman today and we have a variety of topics mm-hmm. that yeah. i'd love to discuss but i think a couple in particular we're going to try and stick to today yeah yeah but i would love if you can because we do have so much in common mm-hmm. i would love if you to give a little background as to what you were doing before yeah. and what you're doing now
0: Right at the well, right at the beginning of COVID, I was still a professor for like almost ten years at two different colleges in New York. I taught journalism, poetry, fiction, and I thought I'd be a professor forever. I loved you loved it. I loved being in a room with ideas, talking about books, many of which are on this wall behind us. I
1: know you have good taste in literature. Talking about,
0: I taught *Crying of Lot 49*. You know, Capote, Planner O'Connor, David Foster Wallace, and uh, every semester would get weirder because you could see like the political world encroaching in the classroom where like all of a sudden a new word was bad or a new author was bad. And even though they've been dead for years, they were now like in the news is, this is a bad person. You shouldn't read this, get rid of these books. You know, I don't care like what they might've done in their past. I separate the art from the artist, you know, Picasso did a lot of bad things. I love Picasso.
1: I think there's mm-hmm. almost every major artist you could go in and right. We have no
0: art if they right. keep doing this to people or music. Or music, or re- anything. really anything, the, the society will be flattened, and that's I think what they want. But um, so I noticed that happening every semester, It would just get worse and worse and worse, and uh, they kept like not wanting to encounter certain ideas, and just got it wasn't fun anymore. I was like, I can't do this anymore. And, and not only that, but like being an adjunct professor, there's no job security. There's like no pay. I work full time, so all of that combined was getting really, really bad, and I saw students stopping themselves from like really expressing themselves. All these things that I loved, like David Foster Wallace, were now like coming in the news because they were like, he was, you know, a misogynist, which, you know, that word doesn't even mean much anymore because it's so overused.
1: I remember, yeah, that coming into it. Yeah. was a whole debate about whether we should cancel David Foster Wallace. Right,
0: and it was fellow professors doing it to him.
1: And, okay, so what about what we're here to discuss today? We have some similar views, and I feel like maybe you're more eloquent in person on expanding on the whole Me Too movement and where it's going and what you're gonna see issues with it
0: and. Oh yeah, there's a lot of issues with it. So I've been studying that through like the lens of the Marilyn Manson story. I really started to feel how deranged Me Too was before I got to Manson during the whole Kavanaugh hearings and like just, or or Trump even before that, just being like, I think a lot of these allegations are starting to water down like real crimes with real, like like there's obviously really bad people in the world. We obviously, but. They're starting to like politicize it and weaponize it now where it doesn't mean what it used to. Just like what I was saying earlier, where certain words have no more meaning. You know, they kind of redefine rape, misogyny, uh, racism, all these things to fit whatever narrative they want to sell to undermine someone who they think is in power, right? So, you know, the Kavanaugh thing was really crazy to me because you're, you're, you know, and many stories before that because you're seeing straight up accusations provided as a- actual evidence, and then institutions are using that to destroy someone's life
1: and then also the press are not really allowed to question even when it's in the allegations phase you're not really allowed to question
0: exactly right you're you're actually a dissenter and that's like uh the highest form of sin in that camp is for someone to dissent from the narrative you're now a bad guy you should be written off you should you, you know your family should excommunicate you your friends you could lose your job and that's happened to normal people And celebrities, like it's a whole spectrum of people. Where if you question something, you're now a bad guy, and that is terrifying. And they kind of convince a large
1: portion of the population that Mm -hmm. it's okay and fair to like cancel or fire or get rid of you know whoever because of their questions about some of these cases and topics.
0: It's morally appropriate for you to not question them. They think you know to take the high ground and let the accusations just do their work. But there's no like trial yet. There's no evidence provided. But then the corporate media kind of works in tandem with the accusers for the most part selling that narrative and they build this false reality on top of it. And then a lot of people who don't have the time, like we might to look into these things, just believe it because like, why, why would they come up with these crazy accusations?
1: Right. And it is an uncomfortable place to be. You feel like you're up against the world when you're Mm -hmm. one of the only voices who are actively questioning things Mm -hmm. or pulling, you know, some of these facts from the woodwork, you know? Yeah.
0: I think it's important Uh, for me. It was especially during COVID during the riots, all that stuff. I, before that was not politically I wasn't writing anything political. I wasn't getting engaged yeah. at all. But now I was like I need to set an example for my for my children because I think something is like actually like defunct in society.
1: It still goes back to what I think we're both so against is the censorship. Oh yeah, self-censorship, it was the censorship in media. Yep. So with these cases there's a lot of nuance. In them, I think, unless you're in the courtroom, it's hard to know what's really going on. And this hasn't gone to court yet, the Manson. But all of these cases that I cover, it is so different what we experience in trial than what is presented in recaps and media. Exactly. So, what made you interested in that case?
0: In the Manson case? So, um, I've been a fan of his for since, shoot, 97. I'm 38. I was like in seventh or eighth grade when I first got introduced to his music. Something about it just clicked with me. I was typically into artists or writers uh, who were like counterculture Um, and his music just connected with me. I was in eighth grade when Columbine happened. So seeing that happen was a really early example of how deranged the media can be. Because I saw an artist that obviously I don't know personally, but I saw the media uh, portray him as this monster that I'm pretty sure he wasn't, right? Because they were blaming him. yeah, Totally blamed him immediately right they said the shooters at columbine were fans of manson and then because of that manson was responsible in some way you know for for causing the murders which is horrible horrible thing to do so like this guy who was his career was like really taking off at that point that was mechanical animals phase so it's like right after Antichrist superstar late 90s he's got a book that was really successful and now they have this boogeyman you know and he he portrayed like a type of monsterish image and he
1: really fit that i mean it was yeah
0: totally yes. very it was very easy to believe for people who weren't fans of his to be like well that, that he calls himself the antichrist superstar you know he's uh burning the flag ripping the bible up you know and for whatever reason you know despite all that i knew he was like it was like performative you know i, I just grew up liking these weirdos who did stuff like that like whether it was andy kaufman you know old punk rockers like Gigi Allen stuff like that I was just like always engrossed with that and I liked what they were doing because for me it felt like they were putting a mirror on society like this is like I'm reflecting back on you what you like your
1: job exactly
0: this is who you are underneath everything I'm just gonna do it up front right Right. And I'm gonna throw it back at you because we know like politicians a lot of them are just dirty conniving bastards (laughs) He, so he said it not me.
1: <laughs>
0: Yeah, I would say ninety eight percent of them.
1: See, I wasn't never really a big fan of his music, but I did like him in interviews. Mm-hmm. I would sit and watch him mm-hmm. and he was always, you know, well spoken and seemed really intelligent in interviews. So yeah. I always looked for even though I didn't follow or like his music per se, I liked listening to him talk.
0: Great interviewer. You know, I remember getting a lot of flack. I was like that gothic kid in school. Like in Oh, you were? Us, oh yeah, yeah. Oh you gotta
1: show me pictures. black
0: fingernails, fishnet shirts, spiky hair, all that stuff. And uh I remember getting a lot of flack at school for that. And then when Bowling for Columbine came out, that was like the first time a lot of people saw him speak kind of eloquently about Columbine. And, you know, he said that famous thing about like, uh, Michael Moore asked him, what would you have done? And he said, I would have listened to the shooters, right? Which no one did, you know, it was like, oh, wow. You know, and people started to see him differently. So that's like the beginning of me interested in him and the way the media like misinterprets reality. So I got like a, you know, and they did that to a lot of people. I liked NWA growing up, all these different artists that were demonized in the media because they were easy to use as like a scapegoat.
1: So you were picking it up at a young age? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my dad used to have to flip through the, uh, he'd tell me to flip through news channels, so like NBC, Fox, you know, all those. back then we only had those
1: like yeah. primary news
0: <laughs> I only had like six channels too growing up, but yeah. it was really important for him. And like, that was also an early lesson. So then the Me Too thing happened and that's, kind of on the tail end of like, you know, the Weinstein stuff was happening. Trump was getting in power, power, uh, i put in quotes, uh, Kavanaugh, all these things were happening. And, uh, that plus what I knew about Manson's past and the way the media portrays certain people they don't like, I just instantly was like, I don't believe this. I'm sorry. It sounds terrible.
1: No, I mean, you're allowed, terrible. you're allowed to say it here. And the
0: accusations, like I get it. And I, I know people, I know women who've had terrible things happen to them. I'm not like someone who just doesn't believe everything. I try to go case by case, but I'm, uh, I typically do well, a skepticism. what I think is
1: the thing too, case by case. It's like yeah. now the, the, what everybody does is lump them all together. Right. So like Weinstein is Danny Masterson and Danny Masterson, like it's, they're all one. It's weird. It's really weird. It's weird. And it's really dumb. It's mess.
0: terrifying. It's like a clown world because everything's upside down. But um, so then, so okay, so what happened with him and the Me Too stuff? Uh, for those who don't know, is you know I think it was like the tail end uh, of Manson's marriage to Dee Devontee. Okay. He started a relationship with Evan Rachel Wood. She was 18 at the time. This is like 2006. He was 36, I believe. They met at a party, uh, and this is like according to her. And we can get into her documentary, uh, propaganda film. I'll call it uh, a little bit. But like she. She said he wanted her to be in, involved in his um, Phasm- Phantasmagoria remake. He was gonna do something with that Lewis Carroll poem. So they like became friends, kind of collaborate on this thing. Uh, then she, I guess, left her boyfriend at the time who was Jamie Bell. So when she left Jamie Bell, her and Manson got together and it just became this like intense relationship. It got a lot of flack, I guess, in the news and the tabloids because of the age difference. Yeah. So they dated maybe four years and then it ended. I guess, what, what's that, 2009 or 10? Cut to, I guess we'll say 2016, the day after Trump was elected, Evan Rachel Wood comes out and says, I've been abused, I've been sexually abused.
1: How did she come out? I don't remember. How did she come out with then She that wrote a post she- about,
0: about she- it and or a Rolling Stone article. It might've been like a, a few things at once, but she decided to do it after that, which was suspect to me. Because at that point, it's you like- You timing was- It's weird, you know, because I truly believe that- Evan Rachel Wood and um, her co-conspirator we'll call her Ilma Gore, who made the documentary with her are like members of a death cult. and I, and I'll, I'll try to tie this up neatly but and I That's think they're and I think, and I think they're character assassins, right I think this is all very political because they're activists and you know they're activists because they use like that cult language, you know like all of the uh, critical race stereotype language or radical feminist language where they talk about privilege and gender pronouns and stuff like that and how much uh, both of them were so anti-Trump, right? Ilma Gore is known for painting the micropenis painting of Trump and then supposedly... Is she an artist? Yeah, you can call her that. Okay. Uh, and then supposedly uh, she got beat up by a Trump supporter. This is pre-Jussie Smollett. Okay. <laughs> but I think she's an OG Smollett, right? So this is why I, re- I believe that a lot of the things they do are based in this like deranged activism to destroy the people who they think part of the patriarchy, you know, the whole spiel of, of the words they use to create this false reality of like the power dynamic that they're all obsessed with and they're character assassins. So Evan Rachel Wood comes out day after the election. You can remember how crazy the world was at that point with how everyone felt about Trump. We entered a new dimension when Trump was elected because the media heightened itself into like a frenzy. It was bizarre, right? Right. So... I you know my interpretation is that she took advantage of that time to then come out, become a victim, and then uh you know for whatever reason, maybe she drew, does truly believe she's a victim uh, but I think you know we created a world where victimhood is like a currency, and we saw everyone who becomes a victim gets a platform, gets fame, right she's also a child star, you know uh so I think she used that as an opportunity. Propel herself into like this new world we were at, where like victims were like, on the highest uh, protected class, as you know, real victims should be, you know.
1: Yeah, well, that's the whole thing is like right. what this is doing to undermine real victims of abuse. It's terrible. It's, it's, I don't see how that's even a controversial stance. I feel like that's why we do talk about these right. in depth, is because it, in the end, it's going to damage the long term effects but, but of how we view
0: the problem is abuse. you're supposed to believe all women. Right, and they create these phrases where it it makes it so you can't do the questioning we're talking about. Right. Right. So, 2016, she comes out. She talks about having been abused. A lot of people assume it's Manson. She didn't name him. She didn't name him, right? Uh, And then supposedly, well, according to her, uh, a lot of other former girlfriends reached out. Right. Because time, a lot of time has passed. It's like 10 years, you know, since they started dating, and then you know, I guess six years since they broke up. um, So now they're quietly like arranging what i think is a narrative um and i think he's an easy target because he's like as as his as a performer he's been like the culmination of everything that the hypocrite hypocrite class hates right and that's like the politicians and the media who you know say one thing and do another he's been their enemy forever and he makes himself look like a vampire He makes himself a monster. He does things that don't look socially acceptable. I'm not saying he's an angel, but I don't believe he is the thing that they say he is. What what's really scary to me, and why I'm still drawing that line between this death cult ideology and like politics, because I believe like all that stuff got accelerated during COVID with Black Lives Matter, with radical feminism. You know, you saw a lot of people willing to destroy themselves and their families and their livelihoods for or against these new institutions or, or cults. Yeah. I think they're cults because they have a certain language. You're not allowed to leave it. If you do, you're excommunicated. Um, <clears throat> so so then cut to, I think it was maybe 2018, Evan Rachel Wood uses her platform now as a victim. Uh, and, you know, she's come out, out of the closet now at this point and she helps pass a law, you know, in, in California, the Phoenix Act, right, which changes the statute of limitations.
1: She's behind the statue of limitations her and Elma Gore
0: went to Sacramento cuz
1: what was it before it was 10 years
0: No 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 one to I don't know the exact numbers, but I think she wanted 10 and then they passed a the law but on the floor they changed it to like 3 to 5 I think she was not happy about that you know cuz that would have given her a lot more leeway you know and it's a it's a tricky situation cuz like I know women who've been abused horribly and they they don't really come to terms with it for many years later right Yeah. But it also opens up people to just being willy nilly about accusations. Be like, you know what? I'm ready to get that guy. You know, I'm ready to get that person. Uh, So she that's what's scary to me. And like no one knowing California politics, which is a lot like the politics I was used to in New York. They lean a certain way. They're leftists. I believe they're um, beholden to like a Marxist ideology where they want to own the people. They want your body right? We saw that with the vaccines. We saw that with mask wearing, you know, they want your kids. They literally want to own you. You are the production.
1: They want control over that. Yeah. Total
0: control because they're tyrants. That might sound far-fetched, but when she sits down, whenever Rachel would sits down and give her testimony, she's using that cultish language uh, that like gender ideology language, like she acknowledges her privilege. It sounds like the beginning of a cult meeting to me, right? So she's signaling. What are you
1: referring to? What was she, where, where did she speak? About that.
0: This? So she gave two testimonies around that time. I think that was the one uh, here at the Capitol. I think there was another one in DC. Uh, I forget the timeline with those, but she opens up with those words. Right. And that to me is immediately signaling like, Oh, I know where you're coming from. Right. And I'm immediately suspect of that because I can't trust it because it's part of your like weird religion. Right. Which is scary to me also because it's in politics. And, um, so she uses these accusations, vague accusations with no name to help push a law forward. Right. And I'm curious. I haven't looked into it yet, but I was just thinking about this. I'm curious how that law has played out now. Like, have there, have there been a lot of people coming forward with false stuff? Has it helped people? I truly don't know, but I've been, like, thinking about that. Uh, it hasn't been much time, but enough time to see. So while all that's going on, she's, like – and this I think these are her words. She's made a coalition of exes, uh, like Esme Bianco's and that. Um, she was in Game of Thrones. Okay. Uh, Ashley – Morgan Smithline, I think is her full name. Uh, she was another ex, uh, one of Manson's former assistants. They all kind of banded together. And you see this happening in her documentary. So like when you see them banding together, she hasn't publicly said who her abuser is. But in the documentary, we know, you know, they've, they've kind of formed this little gang and they're like deciding when to come out about it. Uh, <clears throat> I think it was February 1st, 2020 or 2021, when she went on Instagram and put out her post saying the name of my abuser is Brian Warner, known to most of you as Marilyn Manson. And uh, I think that post since has been taken down, but uh, that's when like, yeah, like kind of blew up. And then slowly after that, a bunch of those other women also released very similar sounding statements, all using very similar types of words like I'm talking about where they're like signaling to this type of base, you know, like we are victims, you know, don't, don't question it, you know, stuff like that. And speaking of that, speaking of the documentary, I I thought it was funny, like when they introduce Manson, his very first image in that documentary is him talking about being a performer to make people question everything. And they use it as like, that's a form of sin, right? When you're, that's what they choose to introduce you as. It's like, yeah, this guy don't question anything. You know, he's bad. So they're setting him up as this vampire. They make him sound like he's put them under a spell. They claim, they claim horrible things. Like beatings, abuse, being locked in a room
1: torture sleep like deprivation torture, yeah. they made it
0: sound like dating him was being like at guantanamo
1: and do you believe any of these i mean is there anything <clears throat> to the claims that you
0: i think he probably does like perhaps kinky sex although there are exes who have said he's kind of uh not that kinky you know so who knows
1: when i was do- doing amber and johnny A lot of celebrities would keep, they'd keep mentioning him. And I'm like, what is it about him? You know? And they, Mm -hmm. they said he was kind of like nerdy in person. And, um, Mm -hmm. he likes the golf. um, (laughs) I've heard that too. Just, they said he's really (laughs) loyal and really, you know, chatty.
0: The other thing is like, he had a persona for many years on stage where he was like deranged, violent, he'd bleed, he cut himself, he'd spit at people, another thing he was sued for. Uh, you know, so I I've been calling that like these invisible landmines, which Becomes this thing that the people who hate you down the road will then pick up and use as a weapon, right? So it's well, that's easy. What we're seeing
1: with like Russell Brand and everything. Exactly. They, take, they, they go back through, you know, twenty years of comedy shows mm-hmm. and interviews, and they pick and choose. Catherine McPhee kind of spoke out because the Daily Mail posted um, an old video of Russell Brand kind of flirting with her, mm-hmm. and you know, they, it was sort of this manipulated. Um, context. And she Mm -hmm. was like, don't drag me into this. It was not what you're saying. And I don't want any part of it, but it's happening all the time. So they're pulling back, you know, they're going in and they're pulling his videos exactly. and these old, you know, interviews and comedy shows. And it's just,
0: so those are your invisible landlines. And then, you know, we both like love freedom of expression. We love, you know, anti-censorship, freedom of speech is everything to me. And you're seeing it in the world and it kind of connects back to what was happening in my classrooms where they make it so you don't want to express yourself because you will be a bad person if you do. And then they'll well, use it against you later on. censorship is, right.
1: yeah, it's it's applauded, evil. evil. And it's pushed mm-hmm. in every it's area evil. right now. Yep.
0: And that's also like a product of Marxism, right? Like I like, there's James Lindsay, another former professor, he talks about uh, political warfare and like Mao and China would create what they called a synthetic reality where you marry a truth to a fiction. So look at Manson. We know he's had crazy stuff on stage, probably done wild stuff, you know, with exes. I don't think to the extent of abuse, but they take that, at least the image of it that people believe and then marry it to whatever narrative they have. Boom, synthetic reality. And then the people who don't have the time to look into it, just believe it because look at him, he must well, be a then, boogeyman.
1: And then you have the media owned by just a handful of people. So they all mm-hmm. are coordinated on these narratives mm-hmm. and anyone who goes against it, I mean, not everyone is cut out to go up against it. It's like yeah. it's, you get called all sorts of names, and there's
0: Yep. it can be I, terrible. I reject that reality for my kids right right they can't, we Same. cannot have that future you know i like I call it the simulation where it's like they, the corporate media has created this fake reality they they put on top of objective reality, where I do believe objective truth exists, but you know they've weaponized that against everyone, and they make you bad for questioning it. but like with manson you know i uh I just think he obviously he's an easy target and he made himself be this boogeyman, but like that was part of his performance and being this vampire image. But then if you look at it as like a fan and you know, his lyrics and you know, his past, it's almost laughable because they'll say things like, um, uh, like bashing your brains in or no, we know where you live. And those are like almost pulled out of lyrics, right. From years and years ago. Oh, interesting. So it's like, it sounds like oh he said it then it must be true now you know.
1: Well, what about that video that's at the center of all this too, where she claims that you know? Um, the I'll
0: kill you one. Yeah, the blood. Yeah. What's
1: like the bloody video there? Wow. In-
0: the blood. Oh, the uh, the groupie video. Yeah. Where like in she, like the Jane Doe. She's a Do- star
1: in it, right?
0: Uh, oh, okay. So that yeah, there's so many. So you're talking about the heart shaped glasses. Heart shaped yes. Yeah, that's from uh, his his album when he was like with her, and uh, you know he, he was playing off the Lolita image because he she wore the heart shaped glasses, which is on the poster. For the book and the movie <clears throat> and um they filmed a video which she then later claimed he raped her while filming in front of everybody um which also sounds terrible and like crazy i happen to know someone who was there uh oh, really? and totally refutes all of that uh saw it all and it, it's a different reality from what evan has said and then like uh, Colonel Kurtz, she's like one of the best on YouTube, her and, and the Manson cases are like covering this case, like solidly. And, uh, Kurtz interviewed another woman who was at that set who also says like, it wasn't like that. Like there was no penetration or anything like that. And, uh, and also said Evan Rachel Wood was like really into it and helping, you know, direct the whole so thing. So there's
1: other witnesses that are refuting mm-hmm. what
0: is. Yeah, there's a ton of people, but that's the thing is like, for whatever reason, those voices are completely suppressed. Right. And you're like a conspiracy theorist or you're like a, you know, you're, you're helping out the the abuser, you know, for for even saying those things. But it's like, but you're also basing on the flip side, everything you hate on Manson on similar sources. Right. You know? But uh, but there's no accountability on that side. Right. Like Evan Rachel Wood, we know now falsified FBI documents.
1: That's what I was just going to ask about, because mm-hmm. that's what I really want to understand. And I don't know that I don't know that my audience even understands the FBI mm-hmm. letter, so if you can explain that <clears throat> to yeah. me, and so
0: them. it's it's a little murky because it sounds like Ilma Gore might have made those uh, because she has a twin who claims she saw her make them.
1: Oh, that's the whole thing, <laughs> right? What yes, her
0: twin's name, but they have a weird relationship. Like I guess Ilma claimed that her sister was dead when she wasn't, and there was like an iPad when they were staying together, and like she saw her falsifying these things. But who knows? Again, these are just accusations. Maybe her okay. sisters also so crazy. So what, what,
1: what was the letter or was it letters? So they
0: forged FBI letters, signed them Ilma and Ever Rachel Wood.
1: Okay.
0: Uh and the story goes, well we know for sure with the one, but the other I was going to say is uh, they Ever Rachel Wood submitted the FBI letters for help with a custody thing, you know, in her for custody battle she ended up having with Jamie Bell for her son. Uh, and she eventually lost that. Uh, and we'll get into that in a little bit too but the other reason was according to Manson what he has Evan Mitchell Wood and Elma Gore use those F- FBI letters to like build their little coalition against Manson thinking like and this is I guess uh, me, my interpretation of it but like hey we know you're with Manson um, there's an investigation into him FBI so is doing it. So
1: they posed as the FBI in these letters mm-hmm. sent to other women mm-hmm. who were um,
0: that seems to be the case
1: and what was in the letter?
0: Uh, I, I, don't, I, think it, I, don't, I don't know forward? the exact wording of the letter, but it was saying there's an investigation into Manson for abuse.
1: Signed by? Uh, an agent, yeah. Who cool, I think
0: they had been in contact with, so like they- Maybe but, using but this still,
1: person's name. But still, right. Yeah, I mean, that's illegal, right?
0: <laughs> that's insane. That's a federal crime, right? And But there's no accountability for that. How can they get away I mean, with that? I
1: mean, that got dropped, right?
0: Yeah. I, I Again, I think a lot of uh, judges or politicians I think a lot of judges are captured by ideology especially out here and so it's that's what's so scary about the whole society at large right now is like that ideology is everywhere where like there is no more i think um actual justice
1: i mean i think the worst part about covering court cases is you lose that sense that there's anything Mm -hmm. true in the justice oh yeah because it's so corrupt especially you know new york and california i mean Mm -hmm. it's it's depressing it's
0: crazy so yeah i want to get into the documentary real quick but but that on so they posed note. it.
1: So they posed as the FBI agent. <laughs> yep. Sent it to other women, yep. letting them know there was an investigation, encouraging them to come forward. Yep. And then, um, and then they're
0: quietly like collaborating, as as we can see in like the documentary. Like they're together. There's someone else reaching out from Manson's camp, like some crew guy on tour who was there whenever Rachel Wood was on tour uh, with Manson, which is so funny because in the documentary they talk about how like it was so bad for her and she like uh, was becoming like abused by him on that tour. And then she also says, like, Manson had, like, this uh, Hitler Nazi fetish. Oh, yeah. However, that. there is footage of her on her own volition uh, doing the Nazi salute on stage. There's pictures of her with a Hitler mustache. Interesting.
1: Interesting. Well, that's Interesting. sort of my my issue, too, is there's no... So now these women only exist as blameless victims. Mm-hmm. And so it's, like, also sort of an insult to women mm-hmm. because it's, like you know, like you're not smart enough to be calculating and conniving and all that, you oh, know, yeah. I think, so yeah, it's I like think it's terrible. Yeah. It's I think crazy. radical
0: feminism is like infantilizing women.
1: I mean, he said it. Not no, me.
0: it's, it's the truth. <laughs> but I do agree. It's the, agree. the truth. Like, yes. I, so
1: that's why I have a hard time with it. And that's why I keep getting called, you know, a woman hater and all this. It's really just, I'm, I am against where feminism is in what oh, direction yeah. it's moving. I'm, I'm like, and so pro women. Cases, I yeah, have a wife. I love
0: a mother. I love two little sisters. I know strong women. And like, they're not like that, um, but like it does infantilize women and it, it makes them like these like uh, blameless angels, like you're saying. And a lot of them also, these women said that they had these memories repressed and that they bubbled up in the aftermath of coming out at all, you know, which is refuted by a lot of people who are like, who deal in memories and psychology. They're not so sure. Like the, the, the studies are still out on repressed well, memory.
1: My issue too, is it's also, these women are not exactly ref- reflective of like the average American or women in general mm-hmm. who suffer abuse. It's mm-hmm. like a lot of times we're dealing with people who are in the entertainment industry, not saying that that's to completely discredit them. There's just, there's attention. there's profit. Yep. Yep. There is a totally. new role as, you know, activists and mm-hmm. victims. Mm-hmm. So it's, again, that's one of the reasons we should be questioning these cases a little closer.
0: You, ha- you have to, that's how you defeat like the, the false reality. Cause, and we should get back to like the actual victims, you know, and care about yes. those people Give them actual platforms, you know, save them. Hollywood
1: sex trials. (laughs) I don't know that are the best, you know, examples of like,
0: no, I mean, okay. So, so the documentary with her is so funny to me. This is my takeaway. of The documentary is that if you watch it from my point of view, it's about a woman who had a, 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 rough childhood with an actor family, um, who probably was on the periphery of abuse in terms of her parents is what. She puts it that way and then is taken by her mom across the country to get away from her dad and then creates this narrative in my mind to get back at her dad and Trump and politics by making Manson her boogeyman and then kidnaps her own son, just like she was kidnapped and goes to Tennessee and stays there.
1: Well, so maybe you should explain the custody situation because that's a new development with this whole thing.
0: So she took her son... To, I guess, Tennessee. I think it was Nashville. And
1: this is the son she had with the...
0: <clears throat> with Jamie Bell. Because the- okay. after Manson and her broke up, she went back to Jamie Bell. Um, they had a kid. And she says she was in such fear of Manson that she had to get out of L.A. Uh, it was too, too, too dangerous, right? All the threats, all this stuff. So she bounced. She took the kid. And then it looks like, according to court documents, Jamie Bell hardly saw his kid for like a year or two. Maybe there was like a, an instance in Florida or something. So he's fighting this whole time, and he's just like, no. And she's what, what it appears to be. I think how he puts it is like she's using Manson as a reason to keep her kid away because he can't he can't go back to L.A. She's pretty much in my mind indoctrinating her kid into thinking Manson's a monster who's never met Manson has nothing to do with Manson, um, but is like I think like with drawing images of Manson as a monster. Like it's cult behavior. Right, so you're it creating got really a monster. weird with
1: the kids, the custody, and then um, the whole Manson.
0: Yeah, I mean, she's she,
1: blaming him for the reason taking the She kid can't off. come
0: back because she's saving her kid. You know, in the documentary, she puts it, she has to get out of Dodge, basically, go away to save herself and her kid, um, which really I don't think is the truth. And I, she lost that custody battle.
1: So she did, yeah, that's what she you lost say, She lost
0: it. Uh, it's really sad.
1: What makes you so sure that these are, you know, so far-fetched allegations. Like, what mm-hmm. What do you think her, is her incentive?
0: If the truth was on her side, she wouldn't have to forge FBI letters. She wouldn't have to gaslight women into thinking they had repressed memories. Uh, that Ashley Morgan character has already written to the court saying I lied, and those girls convinced me otherwise. She said, I was gaslit. I was gaslit by these women. And actually, there's nothing bad between me and Manson. It was all consensual, right? Which is weird because it wasn't used by the judge in his favor.
1: Wait, that was a big turn of events. Mm-hmm when she came forward, crazy,
0: it's crazy. She,
1: she came out and said, I was really pushed mm-hmm. and coerced mm-hmm. into doing this. Right? And she's in
0: a documentary, like in the whole little room talking about how he was so bad. And you know, a while later she recants. So all of that put together. And I also think she's an opportunist. And I think she has no distinction between reality, reality and fiction. She's a child star. If you want to psychoanalyze her and like, she got popular really young. She talks in her documentary about having a bad childhood. There's, I think some trauma there. Um, And, and, uh, then like she gets popular for that movie 13 and there's like a scene in 13 where she's like screaming and crying, but that's the one note she then plays throughout her whole life. Like she takes, takes that character and, and that's like becomes her life. And she even says she, through, uh, filming Westworld is how she opened up to her, like memories and abuse of Manson. So there's no distinction for her. Like she, her whole life has been on the camera. Right. And I think. She's also an opportunist. Saw that victimhood was being uh, catapulted into the limelight. Saw that as a way to destroy uh, any power structure in her way, which is like a radical feminist thing, gender ideology, Marxism is what it really is. Gets linked up with Ilma Gore, who is a legit activist, like a legit anti-Trump. I, I'm pretty sure she hoped it was a hoax. I don't think anyone beat her up in L.A. I'm pretty sure I I will apologize if we find the people who beat up Ilma Gore, but I'm pretty sure she punched herself in the face. And, and I think, and I I swear, and I think, go look at the pictures. (laughs) And I think, um, there was no accountability on her end or, or any suspects. And I think they see stuff like Jussie Smollett happening. They see Kavanaugh, they see, this fame, this new level of fame and this and zero questioning.
1: Or, so it's like r- kind you're of writing safe. the playbook for you're each safe. new woman to come forward and anything. know that you can't, yeah, that you can go. S-
0: it's like, a, it's like being immortal.
1: <laughs> and then just with the allegation phase, you're mm-hmm. destroying someone's,
0: which is why I'll call them character assassins. Like I believe uh, our society, I, this government, I believe has killed people. I think that's pretty much, you know, we know that, uh, we could talk about all the different assassinations in the sixties and whatnot, but, um, I think that they moved from assassination to character assassination, uh, for whatever reason. And, you know, well, we live in that essentially world. essentially
1: just as effective. It gets yeah. rid of the person and the voice. It erases mm-hmm. them from, you know, society. Exactly.
0: And, uh, in Manson, she saw the perfect victim. I see him as a victim of her as a character assassin and Ilma Gore. You know, <clears throat> Ilma Gore's whole career, as far as I know, has been like this, you know, staunch feminist radical, uh, with the Trump stuff. She did the whole painting in like 50 quarts of blood. You know, uh, that was like, I forget who was in it, but it was like a, a political piece. Um, and, and, you know, they started dating. Uh, Evan Rachel Wood comes out. So, like, they are attached to an ideology, right? If you go back on the Instagrams, a lot of these women have black boxes, you know. They are, and I you know, and I believe Black Lives Matter, the organization that helped riots, uh, was a bit of a terrorist organization, Right. And I think that this ideology is nothing you new. You
1: notice how no one talks about it anymore. Oh, it's Like crazy. it just went away, you know? It's crazy. It just like disappeared from- It's
0: crazy. Them. If you question it, you're now anti-Semitic or you're racist or you're misogynist. But you ha- like, I, I, I implore people to stop caring about being called names because they don't mean anything anymore. And if you know you're right, say what you gotta say.
1: Right. I, I cannot agree more. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so the documentary though is so interesting to me because it, for me, a lot of the people on that, like- in that activist world, project a lot. They'll say one thing and do another constantly, right? And it's not just on that side; it's, it's a, a lot, lot of
1: hypocrisy people. too, mixed exactly. up in all of this, yeah.
0: Uh, but she's so she's saying Manson's manipulative, right? Meanwhile, that whole documentary is propaganda and a manipulation.
1: Well, you know, we should talk about the documentaries, too, because that's a big yeah. thing I have, because I feel like they are so powerful in shifting mm-hmm. public opinion. Mm-hmm. And all it takes is a well-produced um, documentary these days. Yep. You know, all I hear is like, well, did you see the documentary about Army Howard? Did you see the documentary mm-hmm. about Maryland? It's like they are really sort of these propaganda pieces. With And people don't stop to question who funded this, who filmed this, mm-hmm. who backed this. Um, it's activists. And it's every time. I mean, but they're very... They're very successful at shifting yeah. public opinion. It
0: looks good, but it's like it's like, and I'll kind of use her terminologies against her. It's like she casts a spell on the audience, and it's very uh, interesting. And again,
1: we are de- She's an actress, like we're exactly. dealing with. <laughs> and I keep saying too that cameras in the courtroom really is what changes everything, mm-hmm. because with um, deaf and heard, the only thing that saved him his reputation mm-hmm. was cameras in the courtroom. People yeah. could judge for themselves. Right. If that was the case with all of these right. um, trials.
0: That helped him a lot because it was so high level though. Yeah. You because know, I've been in court cases in courtrooms like the Carrie Lake one where it was kind of high profile, but no one one's really tuning into those cameras. Yeah. I guess
1: it doesn't have the and I'm,
0: yeah, it doesn't draw. Have, yeah. And like, it's just, and it's like a state level thing, you know? Yeah. And uh, she, I'm, I'm sitting there in a the room with her and I'm watching like NBC news literally report on things that are not happening. He isn't misinterpreting what's going on. I,
1: every trial I see that. It's the craziest thing. It's it's
0: crazy. But then they condense it down to like a five-minute clickbait news piece at the end of the day mm-hmm. that people who come home from their jobs Well, they go see on Twitter
1: that. and they'll even just read 30 characters. You know, like these tiny little blurs. It's destructive. Yes.
0: And they're evil. Like I, I, can't, I hate how so they warp reality. it's taking
1: like warp 3% of a, of a trial and, yes. and recapping it. Exactly. like To spoon feed and whole Which goes public. back
0: to like the whole political warfare thing where they marry a truth to a fiction. Right, so it's easy for these people to believe it because it sounds right. But we're going to inject the poison into it.
1: And I think that's why the documentaries come first because it yeah. kind of sets the tone for this whole exactly. And how could
0: HBO fund something that would lie? <laughs>
1: and they're filmed be like right. it's they're produced well. It's,
0: it's not like the news has ever lied before, right? It's not like the Ro- Rolling Stone magazine has ever lied before, you know. Uh, and then like the, so, like little manipulative things that she does in that film are like, so the first one is, uh, she's telling her story about like abuse with Manson and then they show you cartoon image of a little girl throughout it. So you're hearing her narrate horrible things and they're showing a little girl, which kind of connects to her whole like weird virtue signally victimhood testimony because she very cleverly doesn't say I was 18. She says I was a teen, right? And so that's very easy to think of, to think like of one way. like
1: tweaking the details to, yeah.
0: And then you're watching mm-hmm. a little girl, right? And a and monster. Exactly. A leather exactly. monster. Exactly. And so it's manipulative. And, and then they did that later on too where she's talking about how violent he was and uh, but she's showing you images from like 30 years ago from his tours when he was really wild, like anti Antichrist Superstar times, you know, when it was right. super like Gigi Allen, like cutting yourself, broken bottles, all that stuff. Uh, and like an, 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 an offshoot of that in terms of his live behavior that looks a certain way, you know, something that people use against him was his former guitar player, John Five, said he like hurt him on stage and they had to quit the band because of this. John Five later came back and said I was wrong. He actually consoled me on stage. What you see on stage is oh not gosh. how I put it. So it's like he actually said he was a sweetheart, you know. And, and like for people who like Manson, who know about him, listen to his interviews. You know, also like he went through like severe loss in his life, lost both his both of his parents, who he seemed to be fairly close with, especially his father. You know, wrote albums about it, and uh, seems to have a very sweet nature. You know, so there's this other side of him. That I think a lot of fans probably understand that he puts on this whole thing just to be a provocateur, which I love. And is that
1: what the fans are defending now? I think so. They understand
0: the... Yeah, there's two different types of Mansons. I mean, his whole thing is Marilyn Monroe, Charles Manson. I'm going to reflect back on America, the most beautiful and the most deranged, right? I'm going to be like this horror show for you and be beautiful and ugly all at once. And so like fans knew that you know but it, the people who don't like him and just see like the 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 facade they're like instantly reject it right uh so you know i guess i know i'm biased because i grew up loving it right even still i try to take everything one case at a time listen to it but all the stuff started to fall apart for me when you when you learn about you know even though i was skeptical at first you know i'm willing to be wrong you know right however it just seemed weird now now we're here on this day, you know, the Ashley recanting her thing, the FBI letter, you know, all this stuff. Uh, and now with this Jane Doe case, you know, who's Chloe Black, another singer who I guess you had a relationship with, you know, they're trying to make it so he can't even testify.
1: So where do, where is this going from here? Is it headed to court? Like what is, what stage, are, what stage is it in?
0: As a fan, I hope it doesn't go to court. Like I don't want him to have to go to court because it's just... Uh, Someone, someone I talked to for the project I'm working on for the whole Manson thing, she put it really nicely. She said, uh, "The process is the punishment, right? So like, they don't even give a shit about the end. They just care about you destroy him, right? Every Rachel Wood basically says that he's been destroyed already, you know, in her documentary. Uh, So I think that's that's their main goal is to erase people from it, and like whether or not they are like very aware of like the broader implications of what I'm talking about in terms of like." the ideology behind it all and what it means for the implications of society of like making you afraid to uh, express yourself, making, ruining uh, male-women relationships, uh, making everyone skeptical or believe anything. Like, all oh, that's really bad. You know, I don't really know. I think Ilma Gore is probably sort of like the, the brainchild of it and Evan Rachel Wood is probably, you know, malleable to this stuff considering her past with her parents and what she's done. Uh, but, but yeah, I think with this Chloe Black stuff, it'll probably settle, you know, which I think is kind of shitty because I, I would like to see it, you know, for someone who wants like actual justice, I'd like to see it picked apart in court. But then on the flip side of that is like I don't trust lots of courts, especially out in California.
1: Yeah, I don't think a lot of people do. And so that's kind it's of a problem. consideration.
0: It's really part ugly. Of these. It's Maybe really a ugly. Part of these,
1: and people forget that's a part of these payoffs too. Yep. To avoid. Yeah,
0: because he settled. I forget with one, he settled with someone already, you know, and, uh, it sucks. Cause it, people look at that as like an admission of guilt, Right. but it's like, they destroyed his career. He lost acting jobs. His career has been on hold forever. And, uh, it's, it's just been, you know, really terrible to see that happen. Um, and I wish, you know, I, we would have heard more from him, but it's like, he had the entire world just turn on him again. You know I mean? After the Columbine thing, I think there was like 30 something cease and desist you have to put out. Because they were kept blaming him for other school shootings.
1: Oh my God. It just
0: didn't end. You know, like Hunter Thompson, I remember there's a, a, a funny thing of him calling Mail and be like, You got to just get out of Dodge, come to my house, you know. Hunter? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: can uh, you imagine? I mean, did that happen?
0: I don't, I, I always want to know if he actually did. He's went like, or not. I'll
1: take care of you, I got you.
0: I hope he did. You know, I love thinking of like him, Johnny Depp, and, yeah, and, and Hunter. And it's like there's this crazy stories. trifecta.
1: Has Marilyn denied the allegations outright?
0: Yeah, he's put out. They put out like a statement saying like this is like a grotesque, you know, uh, misinterpretation of reality, something like that, and uh, that you know, for his whole career, he's been like subject to this type of behavior, uh, and he just like outright denies it. So.
1: Okay, so speaking of allegations, what do you think about what's going on with Russell Brand, who yeah. has you know come out and denied these, but is being deplatformed and de- demonetized and all mm-hmm. these?
0: Yeah. So. Again, case by case, I don't know what's true or not yet. I do lead with skepticism a lot of the times, especially when people are in positions of power, as the left would like to say, uh, because he became such a giant figure in the counterculture, right? And and had a huge, new, huge platform. He's speaking out pretty heavily on like every institution, especially the COVID uh, institution. Big pharma,
1: right? Big
0: pharma. So it felt like, okay, they are going to come after him at some point. But you know, I'd like to see actual evidence. Uh, I don't want to make up my mind yet. However, once the government – once the UK government starts reaching out to corporations and being like you should demonetize him, it seems like something else is at play, right? It's like we got to silence yeah, this guy. Yeah, I felt
1: like that was the one thing that I – it started to like, really? take a really sinister like, skepticism. I
0: think you're like jumping the shark now. I think you're showing your hand, right? I think – there's more to this. You're, maybe you're taking advantage of the accusations or like this is the plan all along, right? To censor someone. And it comes back to what I'm saying about this whole idea of political warfare. You know, marry your truth to a fiction. We know Russell Brand has a pretty crazy past of well, drugs. He's, he's written
1: an awful lot re- He's been lot of, very, he's very open about yeah, it. he's been pretty candid about Just it. Just
0: like Manson, right? So you take those things, those invisible landmines from his past, you then use them against them. And now you create this easily believable monster for people, right? And now, people who already don't like him, it will confirm their biases. Easy to believe, and those people are typically people from that hypocrite class who run corporate media and politics. And he's been there, like thorn in their side, for a long time now. So,
1: oh, perfect. Well, he got really influential pretty quick. Like it's a pretty, you know.
0: Yeah, he blew up. I mean, he blew up, and yeah, speaking out against COVID was huge. You know. Yeah. you know, but on the flip side, they'll, there's some like theories on Twitter about how he knew for years now that this would come back to get him, so he had to cultivate an audience who would be skeptical of everything. I'm like, damn, he's that's crazy. That's I did read that. That theories. is
1: that's yeah, that's an interesting. That's a conspiracy one. theory. Uh, yeah, that he time started time this whole thing and it yeah. became so successful <laughs> as a deflection from yeah. all these allegations that were
0: right yeah he knew like pre-covid that covid would happen and he would use covid and being anti-covid as this great platform like give me a break and i'm i'm pretty much into most conspiracy theories
1: yeah I'm same i was that that one
0: hmm. so i like to see more evidence before i like fully know
1: i get emails from some of these people some of the women who have participated in that um that documentary but then i also have dms from women who dated him swear that he was you know, the greatest Mm -hmm. guy. So, I mean, again, I think wait and see, but I just, the the government reaching out.
0: Terrifying. To,
1: that was like terrifying. Mm
0: -hmm. I was like, oh, that's what you want. That's, yeah. You want to get rid of someone who's ruining your power. And I think it's
1: important that everyone is aware of that move Mm -hmm. and how scary that is.
0: Look at Ever Rachel Wood uh, making these allegations and using that as a way to literally change law, which again is Marxist in my opinion, because they're undermining our reality and our justice and individual freedom right so that's what marxists do it's we seize the means of production you are part of that right we will destroy you you are property of the state and you know when you look at uh, every rachel woods documentary you see the masks and for me i see someone who's part of like a deranged political cult who has accepted that the state belongs that their body belongs to the state take the vaccines whatever wear the mask say all the right words you know that's that. The, the, the blowback is the Barbara Streisand, the Streisand effect, right? The second you try to get rid of something, like when, when so stri- the Streisand effect, for, for those who don't know, is like when people are posting pictures of her house, she didn't want that to happen. Streisand just tried yanking off the internet, then it made everyone want to look at her house. All of
1: a sudden everybody wanted a tour right. of Barbara Streisand's house. Which
0: is why this always blows up in the left face or whoever's doing a censoring, because just like with Russell Brand, you know, all of a sudden he's now huge news. People are so skeptical of all these institutions. The second he's now the new enemy, and uh, all the like companies reaching out, uh, Burger King's pulling their ads from Rumble. Uh, he then you know, gets a million views in like twenty minutes with his new video. So it's like you're just creating monsters. I don't think they truly understand what they're doing. But I, the other thing is, I they might because evils, there's evil geniuses out there, because I think they know that people are so gullible. We've always been gullible, you know, uh, forever with hoaxes forever. Uh, and fake news is nothing new. George Washington supposedly spent his last day in office correcting fake news, right? So it's always been a thing, but people are so gullible and uh, they will, they create these caricatures out of people so well in the news. So anything you say about them, people will believe, even if you're looking at the video, right? right? So it's... like people hate Trump so much, he becomes a caricature in the news. Even if what you see the video is refuting what they're saying, you hate him so much you're like believing the synthetic reality.
1: Well, I had to go through a whole decoding during mm-hmm. COVID because I, I was one of those people that hated him that much. Right. And I was, you know, followed a whole liberal agenda Mm -hmm. and it was the first time that i would sit at home and watch full length you know live speeches Mm -hmm. of him Mm -hmm. and i was shocked because it's not what i it was not the edited versions that i had been watching for the past so it was a big awakening for me Uh to realize how manipulated i was you know it's like i I would see and i'm like he didn't say that though because i watched you know the live and it was the first time we were forced to sit and watch live tv (laughs) we had nothing else to do
0: that's so funny um so yeah Yeah, during COVID, year. I think
1: a lot of us had for these For So I was points.
0: always considered myself liberal. Uh, I was in the Green Party forever. Yeah, as I was, like, yeah, I was like, you know, they had a vampire running for president. I like that. Uh, Who was the vampire? Uh, Grandpa, Munster. <laughs> Grandpa Munster. Grandpa <from>, Munster. Yeah, <laughs> good one. Uh, he, he was a vampire. Was, I don't even know if he's alive anymore. My wife, though, we've known each other since high school. She's always considered herself a conservative. And when we got together, I'm like... Pro Obama, which is hilarious now, considering how much I I hate Obama, (laughs) Um, because
1: I voted for him because
0: he was was anti-war, and then his last like month in office, The Guardian wrote an article about how he, uh, his administration, dropped three bombs every hour, every day for a year, and used the definition. His definition of a terrorist was was George Bush's uh, definition of a terrorist, which is like a very vague number. Of a man. So you can get away with innocent deaths. And I was like, really? So that really <laughs> upset me. I had a similar thing to you though, but, but it was like 2016-ish or whenever, maybe a little later. But um, I found myself defending Trump, even though I hated him. And I have we have a really good friend. Love her to death. We drove to her house. And uh, she's going off about the Charleston, South Carolina thing where he said there's good people on both sides. Oh, yeah. And I was like, he didn't really say that. He actually denounced the people that were horrible literally i pulled up the video and show her and she she looked at me like i was crazy like like i said like when you look you people can look at something and still not believe it she looked at it and she looked at us i thought she was gonna not let us stay over like it was that bad we're, we're very close now She's even though super you're, cool. you're
1: presenting yep. actual like the facts right on this video like people don't want it sometimes they don't
0: yeah it's like they
1: reject it you know it's
0: called like there's a i forget the term i think it's like emil durkheim maybe who says anno me and that's when someone is faced with uh proof that proves that proves their religion is wrong and you can either double down on that religion in the face with that proof or you like regrow and become something else with that new evidence or you know whatever uh so she doubled down uh but then i started defending him because i'm like all right like like you were saying i'm like he's not saying that and then with covid it got crazy
1: everything got crazy with COVID because <laughs> right? it wasn't
0: like that at all he was like he didn't he didn't well, say even bleach. the bleach
1: stuff right. he didn't say I'm like he doesn't, you know, and it, and it. I, I think there was a point where a lot of us were like, "We're not going to do this anymore. Right. I'm was, not going to play this game anymore because yeah. that isn't what." And same, I was defending. Him. I'm like, "I hate this guy." Yeah, I didn't vote I for I him to Washington to protest his presidency. Nice. And now I'm um, defending him. And then you were at his... January
0: sixth, you said earlier. <laughs> no, <you're
1: not. laughs> she said I was that. Not. Uh,
0: <laughs> are you sure? I uh, pulled my Instagram <laughs> feed
1: to show I was at the beach. You have
0: receipts. You were not there. <laughs> no, but like he doesn't make it easy for himself either. Kind of like a Manson.
1: Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's a, not a good talker. Mess a lot of Yeah, he's not a good
0: talker. Uh, he kind of sets himself up for these situations, which makes him a very easy target for people who are ready to destroy you.
1: And I think I was so sick of being uninformed. I just was blindly believing what my party told me, mm-hmm. and so my husband and I would get into these arguments, and he would always win the argument because he was presenting facts, right. and I was all emotion. Right. And it, I got to a point where I'm like, I hate. Losing arguments. This
0: is how it was for me and my mean, wife. But my wife was your husband, right? Like I was yeah, losing. So you know. And like I was hitting a wall with my yeah. logic and she kept going I'm like, damn. So eventually, oh my gosh,
1: we were living this parallel yeah, life. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's funny. It's true though. Uh I also like realized I was massively depressed at when at the like tail end of my like liberal days.
1: Me too. I was depressed and angry.
0: Yeah. At and I didn't know why. I didn't, even though like I worship language and like writing is everything to me. I had no set of words to define how I was feeling about what was going on in the world.
1: Oh my gosh. I feel the exact same way.
0: And then it, like, I just started listening to different people. You know, people who hate us will be like, oh, this is how he got radicalized.
1: Oh, it's always, yeah. Yeah, But
0: right. I found like but also, my yeah. own individuality, if I want to use the leftist terms. I think had
1: question all of our beliefs in right. that time. And it was a, it, it's not radicalized. It was like an enlightenment.
0: No, I realized that everyone I was trying to have like me hated me. Openly.
1: Yo, yeah. I
0: was not allowed to teach full time at colleges because they would literally say on their resumes, no white guys. Literally. Yeah. And it was cool for them to say that. I was told by many i and tried don't to don't complain them.
1: about it. Like oh, you it's can't. Fine. And
0: it's fine. It's fine. There's no accountability on that side. They they're the, you know, the crowd that's like all inclusive and all about diversity.
1: Tolerance. But
0: not so much, right? It's like I mean, not the diversity of thought.
1: All the women I marched with in Washington turned against me when I was like, my body, my choice. Oh, I know. I'm like, I don't, I don't want the vaccine. And yep. all of those women that I marched with, you know, I thought we were,
0: mm-hmm. they
1: dropped me so fast. Oh. They wanted me canceled. They wanted my oh, career yeah. gone. They wanted my dog dead. They want my family yeah. sick. Because they, they
0: have no argument, right? right? Their only play is violence or character assassination. Insults, yes. Right. And they'll, make you, they'll take you from your families. That's why I keep saying it's a cult right they are deranged. when i deranged. think
1: people like us decided at a certain point we're not going to be a part of it right
0: reject it right and like it i was... can't raise my kids in that world yeah that is so important to me
1: and i feel like even as somebody a love a lover of literature mm-hmm. it went against everything that we've been taught in mm-hmm. these books and through you know philosophy and everything yep. the censorship was a deal breaker
0: totally once i saw them really turning on freedom of speech and like the writers i love like those are my north stars i was like this is not a place for me at all I remember the moment, actually. Was like, there was this moment where, and it comes back to freedom of speech and, and, and expression. I forget who it was. Oh, man. It was uh, uh, some lady, some like conservative pundit. She went to a, a school to talk in front of a lot of children after the Parkland shooting. Okay. And it was about the Second Amendment. And I was sitting there. This is, I was a furniture mover while I was a professor. So I'm sitting at the furniture moving job in that morning, just like, chilling just watching this thing anytime she spoke the whole crowd booed couldn't talk i'm like this lady's brave she showed up alone like that whole place hates her and all she's doing is talking about maybe different ways of protecting kids of second amendment rights stuff like that and they're just booing her and i was like yeah this party's totally i'm 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 out i'm out there's no expression there's no dialogue there's no diversity of thought i grew up in a house with like uh my mom was like a liberal and my dad was conservative. They both probably more conservative now. But like I heard growing up all these conversations.
1: Yeah, same. That's that I how thought it was important, up.
0: right? My dad's Catholic. My mom's Jewish, right? So like I heard a lot of wild conversations about religion and politics. I thought that's how it should be at home, right? You have very that's respectful I conversations. Too. Yeah, and
1: they'd get together with their friends mm-hmm. and have, yeah, all these. Respectful dialogue. You yeah. don't hate each other. I mean, even the news. Remember Crossfire used to be on CNN right. with Tucker and – Michael yep. Kingsley and or all William F. Buckley before
0: that, you know, yeah. uh, those are really important things. So during COVID during those riots is when I like, I wrote this like really long poem. It was the only way I knew how to express myself. That was like when I found like my language of like, oh, I know how to like put this out there now. And, uh, I was, I told Nancy, my wife, I said, I wrote this, you can read it. I'm putting it out there and we're going to lose all our friends. Like all of them. Uh, we lost probably 95% of them. Really? Like literally
1: the poem was that good.
0: I, it's pretty good you can go find I, I it I feel on like YouTube. you gotta recite it now you know? uh, uh I'm, I, yeah I could read it later it's, it's really long I'll I could I'll, well,
1: I'll share we'll a link with you it, yeah. there's like,
0: I made a video for it but like but yeah so imagine if I just do like, a whole reading right now um <laughs>
1: spoken word uh
0: but like I had grown men calling me at midnight crying about it because they were so upset that I could even question things right and it's just like I was just talking shit on everybody the whole system left right you know uh I just thought the whole thing was ridiculous and I, I felt like I was gonna puke if I didn't say anything. So I wrote that, put it out there, lost a lot of friends and uh, like, you know, through that, then my kids lost friends. That was it.
1: It was. Yeah. And, but
0: best thing that ever happened to me.
1: I was going to say mm-hmm. is, um, cause we all went through that. I lost, I mm-hmm. just don't, you know, don't talk to certain members of my family. Mm. I lost friends I'd have forever, yep. but out of the darkness came light and mm-hmm. there's new connections and there's like so yep. much optimism on the other side. Our
0: freedom of expression. Yeah, you know? I,
1: think, I think we I think that there's a renewed um appreciation for that. I think and so too. I think we're so grateful that we're like willing to stand up for one another and yeah. you know the support is whether incredible. people like
0: it or not, we're the counterculture. Yeah, like absolutely. you for sure. Like with your platform and the way like you get to share I like, think all of us your do. humor think- though, like and the, the stories you you're sharing, that's the counterculture, right? That is what's going to hopefully help reject that fake reality. Cause we're poking holes and all that stuff or asking questions that shouldn't be asked by like the authorities. And, uh, that's just what's has and hopefully to keep happening.
1: Inspiring other people to do more yes. of the same thing, right? Yes.
0: Like not being afraid to say something if you believe it's true, you know, also not afraid to, to be
1: funny. Yeah. It's okay like, to be funny. It's still okay to be yeah. funny. It's okay sometimes. to have style too. Yeah.
0: Okay. <laughs> uh, that's, that's Republicans. Pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> As the counterculture, hopefully we inspire people to then go out and speak up even locally. Cause uh, you can actually make a difference in your life and your children's lives by getting involved locally, local politics, school boards, you know, all these places. And that's why it does really matter to me so much. Cause like having kids, you realize how vulnerable they are to the world that is attacking you at every angle, right. in every way, in every way, commercials, social media, politics, movies, everything is an attack on your soul. Right. And everything's poison. Now you're in charge of raising these kids in this world that's like really deranged. It's always been deranged. And um, I've noticed through like being a father, you know, okay, yeah, I got to shield my kids. But then I see other kids, their parents are totally engrossed in that world, you know, where it's like all ideology. And now I'm watching nihilism spread, meaninglessness, right? These kids have nothing uh, to look forward to. They're always so depressed at really young ages, right? There's nothing to look forward to. There's no confidence. So you know, I'm trying to set a good example for those kids. You know, when they're around my kids and be there for them. Also being open with with uh, their parents about how I am. Like I'll get into crazy conversations real quick because <laughs> I I got to know who I'm going to have playdates with. I'll get into chemtrails immediately. I'll start talking like it I does usually not take, wait
1: till you know. Oh uh, no, the you're, third better play date. <laughs> you're better than me.
0: You're better than me. Who knows what kind of crazy stuff they're going to say to your kid by that second playdate? I'm seeing kids. They're super young. My son's seven. Some of these kids who go to like different schools, they're already obsessed with gender and race. You're going to create the monster that you think everyone else is because you're literally making it so your kid only sees those things. Right. That's crazy. So, and then it's just connected back to this is I, I truly believe it in terms of Marxism. This is what happened in the Cultural Revolution in China in the 60s. Mao destroyed culture. He destroyed art. He destroyed language. He destroyed children. And by doing that, he can reinvent China and the economy so everything's seized by the state, right? The Great Leap Forward was helped with that. That backfired, and there was a famine, and like, we don't know the exact numbers, but like tens of millions of people died, right? And he created this class of people like the Red Guard. They killed people. If you were a dissident, if you asked questions, you'd be called a rightist uh, in terms of like psychological warfare, which I think we're under here with everything. In China during the Cultural Revolution, they would bring out certain people who the state deemed as unpleasant and decapitate them while making the children sing the national anthem. You know, it was dark.
1: Well, it is I think one of the darkest things about the COVID period was seeing how quickly we turned on each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, people would that easy would totally support arrests and stuff being made, oh, you yeah. know, if we were an an anti vaxxer oh, or something. God. Yeah. It was it was terrifying. I'm like, this is how it happens.
0: It's it's my wife and I are like nerds for history and I remember we'd always have this conversation, be like, How could Nazi Germany get to that point? You know? How okay. could the gulags get to that? COVID happens and then your neighbors are literally like it
1: makes you spying
0: understand. on you. Like, oh wow, it's that easy. Right. It's because the state and rules you because of fear and you live under their boot and you live a comfortable life and you don't want to lose it. Well you much.
1: realize the power of fear.
0: That's it. They own you. And it really you know is so if simple. If about they know what you fear, ability. they will own you. And everyone was very fearful. Look, at the beginning of COVID, I wasn't sure what was going on. My wife was really pregnant with our daughter at the time. Uh, the, when she was pregnant with our son, West Nile virus was going around. So I like killed every mosquito in New York, even though it wasn't even in New York. Um, so like I was a little cautious for like a month. And then the logic wore away like fairly quickly. When
1: I feel like, I don't know if you, I had sort of innate, skepticism. Like mm. I, I did the same thing yep. for about a month. I was yep. really hardcore, but I could, I could just sense that there was something else at play. And yeah, it was weird. And I could, at that point you couldn't, I couldn't even tell my closest friends. Right. You know, oh man.
0: Yeah. But yeah. It, yeah. First month was just like, all oh, right, I really got to be careful. I was like, she was like six months pregnant at that point. Um, like I just, I was trying to keep her in like a literal bubble. Uh, it was crazy. Um, uh, but I remember getting a pizza delivery and the pizza guy on the phone it was like a it sounded like a drug deal was about to go down he was like okay um we're gonna drive up and like you're we're gonna leave the pizza on this rock over here you're gonna leave the cash (laughs) over here and i'm watching him touch the cash i'm not wearing gloves he's not wearing gloves he touched my cash he touched the pizza box he's touching his studio i'm like none of this makes sense
1: i was like logic completely went out the door like the kids were wearing Mm -hmm. masks at school but at recess they could take the mask off they're like slobbering all over each other they come back into their classrooms Mm -hmm. but like you're just like, none of this is making sense yep. for fun. I used to drive, you know, there was nothing to do. So I would just drive around town looking for the, um, you know, the protest. What is it called? To get him out. Oh, I was yeah. just like, I, I'm going to go for a drive. Yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> that would have
0: been amazing. That would have been too good to be true. It's too good to be they true. Couldn't let but happen it, it really,
1: you know. Because
0: <laughs> they got to install him as our next president. So
1: <laughs> we're ending on a very dark, very dark <laughs> note. <laughs> Who
0: knows? He looks like he's being groomed for that position. That's so. what I keep. I'm sorry. I, we're
1: going to wake up one morning and mm-hmm. it's going to be announced. Yeah, and yeah.
0: His campaign slogan is going to be American Psycho. Because he's like this handsome, he's, he is deranged, psycho. yeah, deranged, psychotic and man. And his wife's like a brainless
1: AI yeah. creation. <laughs> yep.
0: Oh, we're in it's for it. Be... We're in for it.
1: Well, thank you, Shane. I yeah, can't wait course. to have you back for, I don't even know what. I mean, there's yeah. a million things we can yeah. talk yeah. about. No. Oh, I wait, really quick. What are your favorite writers? It.
0: Okay, favorite writers. David Foster Wallace, which is awesome. You met him. Um, I love Hunter Thompson, Joan Didion, Truman Capote. Uh, I like Ginsburg, uh, speaking of crazy people who might've had a shady past, uh, man, uh, Gay Talese. Okay. My favorite, I guess, when it comes to my essay writing is Joseph Mitchell, because he wrote about people on the fringes of society in New York, like fishmongers, the bearded lady. And, uh, I look to him as like probably my biggest inspiration when I'm writing about people on the fringes of society. But those people just happen to be like Kanye West and Alex Jones, you know, so up in the Old Hotel is, like, my favorite book uh, in terms of that.
1: See? Great taste.
0: Yeah. Hell yeah. Thank you so much. Of course. Yeah, this is a blast.
1: Where can everyone find and read you?
0: Uh, so all my writing is at timcast.com. You can also find that at shanecashman.com. That's, like, the all the profiles I've been doing and the investigations into, like, lost Confederate gold and UFOs. Uh, and my newest book came out earlier this year. That's Tales from the Inverted World. And that's Ghost of the Civil War. It's, like, Volume 2 of my Inverted World series. All that true crime stuff and ghost stuff. So you can find that on Amazon right now. Okay, great.